StarCast returns to the Chicago area this Labor Day weekend. Tickets for StarCast 6 are now on sale at StarCast.com. Join us at the Hyatt Regency Schaumburg starting Friday night, September 1st, for unique fan experiences with wrestling legends from yesterday and superstars from today. Follow StarCast events on Twitter for the latest updates about all things StarCast. Can't be in Chicago? Premier Streaming Network has you covered. Visit StarCastOnPremiere.com and get daily access or save with the weekend bundle. Get all past StarCast, the upcoming wrestling showcase event, as well as thousands of hours of content from your favorite promotions and stars. And two months of Premier Plus for free. Order now at StarCastOnPremiere.com. StarCast 6 is brought to you in part by ProWrestlingCrate.com, monthly mystery crates for diehard wrestling fans. Plans start at $9.95 and are the perfect gift for any wrestling fan. Visit ProWrestlingCrate.com today. in sports entertainment. Hello and welcome to Arn. This is Paul Bromwell and today I'm joined by the Hall of Famer, the founder of the Four Horsemen. The creator, the spine buster, the 1A of tag team wrestlers, our television champion, and the man who did his best Siskel and Ebert imitation last week. That's right, given the White Castle of Fear mini movie two thumbs down. Man, that was that was brutal, Arn. He's the enforcer. He's double A. He's Arn Anderson. Arn, how are you? Uh recovering. Been busy lately. You you have been, and uh and that's what I wanted to jump right into right away, because since we recorded last you uh, spent four days in Raleigh at the GalaxyCon, and then yesterday, right in your own backyard, as you said, at T-March the Gathering in Charlotte. And uh, I know this is you, you really enjoy these events. You really enjoy seeing your fans. Can you tell us about uh, those events and how it went? Yeah, I mean, Raleigh was, was uh, huge. You know, it was huge. There was a lot of folks there. Those, those things are... It's amazing to see them, you know, and everybody dressed up and doing their, it's actually their show that, that we're just attending and, uh, man, they're into it. They, their fans are as, uh, passionate as ours are. Raleigh was, it was great. A lot of, uh, a lot of people came by and I, I tell you this, you know, when it happens, everybody likes the, uh, podcast and tell Paul he's doing a good job. Oh, wow. And uh, so the real, real sweet spot was this week, this weekend, I went up to the gathering, and it was just up the road, at about 25 minutes. And the, the uh, turnout for that was awesome. One of the best, I mean, for, for us in particular, it was uh, one of the better turnouts. And... Uh, Got to tell everybody thank you and appreciate it. And uh, a lot of people came from different areas. You know, there was there was actually some people that came from overseas, and it, it kind of blew me away. And we set the indoor record for chocolate bars. We had five normal and one giant. 
So. Wow. It's funny you say that because I know our buddy, the research guy who does a lot of hard work for this show, was saw you at the Galaxy Con in Raleigh. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. And uh, he gave you a little gift there too, right? The old. Yes, he did. So uh, I'm going to ask before I become diabetic, let's back off on the chocolate bars. Please, folks. Because if they're here, I'll eat them. So thank you. God bless you for uh, for the thought. But we're going to cut that out for a minute. But before he goes type two and his eyes start crossing and glazing over on this show, we need to okay. reel him in. I love it. And if it's here, I'll eat it. So thank you. Uh, oh, got, got to see some old friends, you know, good. Uh, this weekend. So it was, it's been a good, good, real good couple of weeks. Yeah, I saw the picture online with you and Bret Hart and so many others at, at GalaxyCon. I thought, you know what? This is Lex Luger. I think he was right beside you you and, uh, you and Brock. But I'm like, how cool, you know? It's just for you to be able to catch up with those guys, not only meet the fans, but say hi to your old buddies. Well, and, you know, the guy, there was a gentleman there that uh, asked pretty much just, hey, could I get a picture with all you guys? And he worked something out with Tony Hunter, my, you know, the guy that represents all of us. And uh, he said, what do you guys think? I thought everyone seemed to think it was cool. And uh, you won't find another picture with that group anywhere on earth. And it will never possibly happen again. So the guy jumped on it, and I'm sure he posted it because uh, he, he was telling me it went berserk on the, on the internet. So you know, epic was one of the words used, and it was just a it's just a, a collection of, of guys that have been in this business for a long time and, and excelled in this business, and to have them all in one picture was awesome. And listen, we're going to continue to try to keep you guys updated uh, with where Arn is headed next. So stay tuned to the show. That's uh, one of the big purposes of, of what we're doing here is not only to relive Arn's story and tell, uh, talk about his history, but also keep you informed of where you can see Arn and talk to Arn, shake his hand, and uh, continue to increase his likelihood of type 2 diabetes. I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, because you love it, Arn. You love seeing the, your, these folks. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, it's like now I'm starting to – I haven't done that many of these in my career. Now I'm starting to – do enough of them in different areas of the country where I'm seeing repeat fans show up. And I'm I remember sure. them, and I remember our conversation. And they're so kind, and they're so welcoming, and, you know, they want to tell you about their childhood and all that stuff. And I'm recognizing the faces. You know, it's uh, it really is. A, I need to say thank you to all those folks. Without them, I wouldn't have had a career. And you know what even makes it even cooler? I'll give you guys a little hint. I, I, even outside of the chocolate bars, Arn said put a put a, a stop to that. But I'll tell you what really makes it even more special, and that is if you're wearing some of this stuff like I have right here behind me, that Four Horsemen merch or a T-shirt like Arn has on right now. And Arn, it's a perfect transition because I want to remind everybody that they can go to Box of Gimmicks and they can find that Arn merch and the Horseman merch. Uh, within the last week, that 1990s classic, classic uh, Horseman shirt uh, became available again, Arn. And it's uh, we had the uh, design. You asked if we could get that tightened up by Dominic, and he did with the horses and the logo from that 90s-style Horseman shirt. Guys, it looks phenomenal, Arn, and, uh, and there's nothing better, I'm sure, for you than when you meet these fans out of these meet and greets to see their sport in your merch. Love to spot them in line. 
you know, they got on those horseman shirts and now the hats are catching on and you can see them in line way back there. And yeah, it's awesome, man. It really is. So uh, check it out, arnlinks.com or boxagimmicks.com and get some of your Arn uh, merchandise. Help support Arn or Four Horsemen. And, uh, man, we'd really appreciate it. And I know it means a lot to Arn and his family. Uh, so there you go. Arn, are you ready to move on to some, uh, to some business of what was going on in February of 1993? One last question. Uh, are we going to mention the comic book somewhere? We, we, we are, and we can uh, certainly do it here, though. It works. You want to talk a little bit about well, the, uh, the comic book? We're getting book? closer. Yeah. It's available, you know, advanced copies are, are available on Amazon. That's right. Any other places that you know that they can order it, and it's it's getting closer and closer. Um, I'm getting the name tags or the the tags that we're gonna I'm gonna sign, and they're gonna okay. put on put on them. They're supposed to be here Monday. I'm gonna get, try to get all those signed and mailed back to Dirk and his crew, and let's start getting these things pumped out. Man, that's awesome. And I was wondering if you had heard anything. I hadn't seen anything lately, but it sounds like uh, it's continuing to move right along. So we cannot wait for that. As Arn said, you can search right in Amazon now and, uh, and pre-order available right there on Amazon. So listen, with that business out of the way, let's get into today's business. And that is February 1993. Last week, we talked about the shakeup that began with the Steiners leaving. So they're exiting stage left. But here comes Ric Flair returning to the company. You have Cactus Jack. He turns babyface. Paul Orndorff is back in the mix. And they've brought in the British Bulldog. This week, though, the waves keep crashing into the ship that is WCW. And we got a lot to discuss. So here we go, and uh, I'm going to give a little bit of history here, so bear with me as uh, kind of, uh, this is not the easiest to talk about, and I'm not going to go in and read it in detail, uh, but Bill Watts, who had uh, served as the head of WCW for the past nine months, dramatically had his power, his authority, and influence over the company reduced here on February 2nd, 1993, uh, the WCW executives made the decision to limit Watts' power as vice president after numerous missteps that took place under his watch. Exiting talent, lower buy rates, and poor ratings gave the executives all they needed to strip him uh, of most of his decision-making. Arn, you're out at this time. We've talked about it. You're, you're out with a kayfabe injury. But do you remember this this decision of these WCW executives stepping in at this time to address some of Bill Watts' failures and, and make this transition or this change? Well, when you work for a huge corporation like we did, and you have live under corporate rules, there's a whole lot of things that are inappropriate. You know, it's not like when Bill owned his own company, 100% of his company, and he could run it the way he saw fit. This is a different deal. You got to be aware of of uh, everyone's feelings. You got to be aware of of the way you speak about people and the way you treat people. And in the corporate world, there's a lot of things you can't do. And he found out the hard way. He sure did. And uh, he's on his way out. And no coincidence here. Flair's on his way back in. 
And uh, Bill Watts, by the way, wasn't the only person affected by this meeting on February 2nd. J.R., Jim Ross, he's taken off all WCW programming, and it's decided that he will become a salesman for syndicated television. But unfortunately for JR, in this case, he's tied to Watts thanks to their 19-year relationship, and Watts was his mentor. Uh, that's been well-documented, and his closest ally in WCW. He leaves the country. JR decides to leave. He's going to use some vacation time. He's going to go party in Aruba. And uh, during that time, he reaches out to Vince McMahon through an old friend of his. That's right, from the Mid-South days, Bruce Pritchard. Bruce Pritchard seems to be, seems to be like a, a key conduit guy uh, when someone wants to leave to get in touch with Vince. But JR and Vince meet at television tapings in Augusta, Georgia. And in a three-hour conversation, Arn, they worked out an entire deal that eventually led JR to the announce booth. And later, he would become the head of talent relations where he assembled an all-star team made of, uh, you know, that helped make WWF a billion-dollar company. And he would first appear in WWF programming at WrestleMania 9. So uh, it's quite interesting. I would say, Arn, it worked out for the best for JR, wouldn't you? For the overall strength of the wrestling business, you know, what looked like at the time a bad move, you know, with JR and having him do sell what, sell what? What was he, he selling? He was just selling syndicated television programs. What, what a waste of talent. Yeah. A guy that brings the emotion to, to what you're watching on TV. But had he not left, all the other things that happened after that in the wrestling industry were all for the better. So mm. that's one of those, hmm, what ifs. That's right. You know, thank God that he did leave and uh, the business was better for it. It's interesting in life, Arn, isn't it? Sometimes we don't know why things happen to us, but, you know, we, we there's always a reason. But and, and, and this is one of those situations for JR where it's like probably in this situation, my God, what am I going to do, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But... Man, how how the ships turned the right way for him. He became the voice of wrestling. And not only that, what he did with the talent and his, his bank account and and just to see what he's accomplished. Hall of Famer. Incredible. Well, here's just a small piece of it. You know, after uh, WCW was bought out, JR is the one that hired me. There you go. So, you know, had he not been in that position it, and someone that was not an Arn Anderson fan, how would the rest of my career went? I, that's, that's an amazing point. You never know. That's right. You know, and I was hired not in a talent capacity. I was hired as a, you know, hired as a road agent. So, mm. so I certainly had a 19-year run with the company, and that could have not happened. It had someone else had my that goodness. spot. There you go. Wow. Well, so listen, on February 10th, we move along a mere eight days after the WCW executive stripped Watts of the majority of his power. He resigns from WCW as vice president of wrestling operations. And Watts would contend that this was because he could not work with Bill Shaw. Uh, you're familiar with Bill Shaw. Uh, and while that might be true that Shaw and Watts could not work together, the tipping point came when Hank Aaron who worked as an executive for the Atlanta Braves, who also owned by Ted Turner, showed TBS president Terry McGurk the things that Watts said during a 1991 interview in the Pro Wrestling Torch after receiving a fax of the manuscript from Mark Madden on February 9th asking for a comment. And uh, this, there's comments. If you want to look it up, 
You have more than you can do whatever you want to look up those comments. Art and I talked pre-recording. I am not going to read those comments here on the show that Watts made uh, from in 1991, but they are completely and utterly out of line, uh, racial, and just uh, very just not appropriate and uh for anyone uh you know that wants to again look it up it was uh the tipping point watts was gone and it's actually for the better and uh speaking for our and myself our entire team in no way shape or form do we support or condone comments sentiments that bill watts says but uh arn uh this was the nail in the coffin for bill watts here in wcw well, I wouldn't suggest anybody go back and look at it unless you plan on being nauseous, and that's okay because it's the only way you're going to feel once you hear about all of it. And uh, it was just one of those, again, it was one of those things that it's a what if. You know, he, he committed suicide, career suicide, as far Absolutely. as that company is is uh, concerned, and so things got better. So. Well, Arn, that leads us to our first uh, fan question of the week, and it's from Mike Prue, and he wrote the following. Arn, when Watts took over as EVP in 1992, you seemingly disappeared from most shows, and then when he leaves in early 93, you're immediately back on television. Was there heat between you and Watts, and if so, why would that be the case? Well, you have to go back and relive the, the 7-Eleven fight, okay? The idea was... Uh, that I had a bad knee as a result of it, and I was out selling that knee during this time period. I wasn't mentioned, I was, you know, and that's the way it was in those days. If someone got hurt and disappeared off TV, you might have one week of the company letting you know what happened, and then that was it. They move on. That's where I was. I was home. I was still under my contract uh, until the end of the year. But in terms of a working relationship with Watts, Arn, you always seem like you were a company guy. Was that the same type of relationship you had with Bill? Whatever you know, you need me to do, Bill, I'm here. I'll do whatever you need. I would challenge anybody that I've ever worked for, any company, doesn't matter, uh, to say that I would have not always been a complete and total company man, businessman. Whatever you want. Like I've always said, I never knew you could say no. I had no idea. I never said no except one time. And that, uh, as we know, resulted in Tully and I leaving the company, uh, Jim Crockett Promotions. But, uh, yeah, it, uh, business all the, all the way, all the time. Whatever you need, I gave you the best I had that day. Carolina Jackpot wants to know what you thought of Jim Ross leaving the company at this time. When you heard JR was leaving, do you remember kind of what was going through your head? Because, man, we've listened to Jim Ross, the soundtrack here, the last several months, and he was so good at telling stories. What were your thoughts back then when you heard he was leaving? Well, who would look at that any other way than being a huge loss for the company? I hated it, you know, because, you know, in those days... We were out in the ring performing. We didn't always get to see the show back. You know, there was a lot of weeks that I wouldn't get to see the show. You knew when you were performing what you were doing, but you didn't have the opportunity to hear how the announcers were spicing it up and making it better and all that. And uh, once you went back and watched the show, you know, whether you had it taped or whatever the deal was in those days, 
you realize, man, does he really add to the to the excitement of what's going on in the ring, and you fully appreciate him. Yeah, nobody like him, Arn. Special at what he does, and uh, Hall of Famer as a result of it. But Arn, in addition to the problems Bill Watts caused during his tenure and his ugly exit from the company, WCW had been searching for an executive producer to oversee all television programming. Uh-oh, here he comes. JR had applied for the job. Tony Schiavone applied for the job. And Eric Bischoff also applied for the job. Uh, all these guys have talked about this openly on their respective podcasts. And we all know that Eric Bischoff was ultimately hired as the executive producer of WCW over uh, JR and Tony Schiavone, who, quite frankly, had more experience than Eric in terms of producing televised uh, wrestling. But uh, Bischoff starts his wrestling career in the AWA and joins WCW in the summer of 1991. Uh, but Arm, we know that ultimately Eric would enjoy amazing success, helping to light the wrestling world on fire as the president uh, for WCW, the mastermind behind the NWO. But here, Arn, in February of 93, what did you think at the time of Eric Bischoff? Well, you know, the thing that gets lost a lot of times is Eric was a really good announcer. And I enjoyed, in those days, I was getting plenty of promo time. And I enjoyed working with Eric. He set you up perfectly and would lead you in perfectly. He did a great job. Looked good on camera, you know, the whole the whole shooting match. So, you know, he kind of came out of nowhere, coming, you know, from Ganya down to us. And I wasn't real familiar with him. But before he ever became the boss, um, he was a really good announcer. So I, I thought I had a good working relationship with him from day one. Arn, let's face it, there's no way that your body was performing at peak performance back in your heyday. Today, with our crazy schedules, you and I both benefit from AG1. Arn, just one scoop, and it gives you 75 high-quality vitamins and minerals. I'm talking improving your gut health, sleeping better, improved focus. What's not to like? This is a slam dunk, and better yet, you're going to sleep better and recover better. It costs less than $3 a day. It's completely worth the investment in you. And it's received 7,000-plus five-star reviews. Right now is the time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. It's so simple. No need for a million different pills and supplements. And to make it easy, AG1 is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit drinkag1.com forward slash ARN. Again, that's drinkag1.com forward slash ARN to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about 
how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford anything, wherever you listen. Yeah, and I mean, listen, he obviously knew how to navigate the political scene for Turner for so many years, which, you know, that just that just doesn't come naturally to someone. They have to be they have to be well equipped in order to handle that type of thing. And uh, it, like we said, it all panned out. As far as you know, armchair quarterback. Obviously, it was a great decision. And uh, and and here we sit, all these years later, as we mentioned, the the behind the NWO strategy. And uh, everything he did with Monday Nitro, that, that was a, that's, that's a major step forward in that company's history. Sure, absolutely, 100%. You know, in those, in those days, you know, if there was political stuff to, to be handled, Rick did it more, than, more so than anybody. He was a very political guy. And, and I just remember very clearly him saying, Bischoff is the guy for the job. He's going to do a good job. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I don't know if that ever gets mentioned, but he said that to me, and this was in the very beginning. You know, he he supported it 100%. So Rick endorsed him. There you go. 100%. He, well, yeah. I know that he did to me, and I'm sure he did to, you know, to the Bill Shaw or whoever was in charge. I'm sure that went a long way. And that's that's interesting, especially if you think about how their relationship would change uh, over the years. Uh, we do have a, a qu- question from Dylan. He says, could Arn see that Eric was on the rise to the top, or did he think executive producer would be as far as Bischoff would go? No, I mean, it was it was one of those things. He was going to be a hands-on guy from the way it was explained to us. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I was just, again, I was along for the ride. Carl Hayes uh, writes the following. When Eric came aboard, do you think he would be there for as long as he was? It seemed like uh, there was a lot of hot potato with who was in charge during these these few years here. Which And Carl's right. Did you think, hey, this could finally be our leader for the next several years? Well, when you talk to Eric, he sold himself as being a guy that understood the business. Now, there had been executives, Jim Hurd and different guys that were the boss. But you never saw the boss. You know, he was in the tower. We were out running the deal, and whoever was the interim booker, that's that was your contact. Very seldom would you talk to the executive in charge of the company. Eric was kind of the first executive that was like at TV all the time, and he was hands-on, and he was more part of the process than anybody before him. Yeah, well, uh, completing the changes at the top here, Arn, with Eric in charge of television— Ole Anderson, he's brought back into WCW and put in charge of the wrestling product, including all the creative matchmaking and all the finishes. So Ole had owned and managed territories for years and was an alternative to the flamboyant style of the American dream. And uh, But, buddy, you worked for both men. What similarities did Ole and Dusty share as far as booking philosophy, in your opinion? Um, you know, Ole was hardcore Good versus evil, you know the. His roots were in the business of the late seventies, early eighties. I would say, you know, uh, him and Gene obviously were were a uh, fixture in the industry that 
that still lives today. Um, so when you put Ole in, he, he used a lot of the um, principles that he had used when he was working with Gene and top guy, and he was the booker before for Jim Crockett Promotions in the Carolinas. And, you know, some of that stuff was outdated, you know. And uh, go ahead. I was going to say, did you have a preference as Booker, uh, Dusty, or Ole? Well, Dusty, I think, no, I'm sure. I don't think I'm sure. Had faith in me. And I was always a guy that Ole could put, or excuse me, Dusty could put in the first match or put me in it on last with him and still get a quality performance, a main event match, and all the things that he needed out of me. And I think he knew that. I know he knew that. So I was happy any time he was sitting in the saddle, I knew that I was at least going to have the opportunity to do what I knew well, and that's just get in the ring and wrestle and tell a story. Dusty knew how to position you, take care of you, and he knew what he had in you, Arn. There's no doubt about it when he was booking. Without it sounding, you know, uppity, I know that he did. I know yeah. that he had confidence in me. Our buddy uh, Brad Stanton said, tell me three positive things about Ole as the booker. There's so much negativity. Uh, three positive things. Yeah, it doesn't have to be three, but just whatever jumps to your mind. Well, I mean, there were those of us that Ole, when he was a performer, got our respect because he was a world-class heel. No matter what you say about, you know, the negatives about Ole, about being grumpy and all those things, and maybe outdated at the time, you know, the last run-through, he was, you know, some of his ideas were, were outdated. Those of us that were heels and aspired to be really good heels, you could watch Ole Anderson and his promos and his work in the ring, and his thought process were excellent. I defy anybody to say that they weren't. They were when he was wrestling. But that doesn't necessarily carry over to when you're the boss. Because now you're trying to implement your thought process into another performer or into another finish or into you know all the things that yeah. encompass. And some guys say that they see it the way you do and they go out and when they perform it, they didn't see it the same way at all. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I didn't see a lot of negatives because, again, you know, whatever he said, do, do. Right. And he did have, obviously, he knew, he, you knew he had a mind for the business. He's, it's like you said, good versus evil, classic, traditional booking style and story, storytelling. It, you just got to wonder, is, is he able to evolve with the times? Well, apparently, not enough. Yeah. Well, based on all that we've discussed, Arn, it appears that Eric, Ole, and the rest of the crew, you included, have a huge uphill battle in front of you. And only 11 days after all this goes down, everything that we just documented with Watts, Eric's promotion, Ole now coming in as Booker, WCW held Super Brawl 3. This is the first pay-per-view of the Eric Bischoff era, headlined by the White Castle of Fear strap match between Vader and Sting. 
And uh, this takes place at the Asheville Civic Center in Asheville, North Carolina, in front of a crowd of 6,500 people. And the event marks the return of the nature boy, Ric Flair, to WCW pay-per-view. And as importantly, the best pure worker the horseman ever had. Orange show favorite here, Barry Windham. He wins his first and only World Heavyweight Championship, Arn. And uh, we have it here, our first clip of the week. We're going to watch how Barry defeated the Great Muda to become the international world champion. You ready for this? Yeah, buddy. All right, let's take a look. Introducing one of the most celebrated sports personalities in the world today, former heavyweight champion of the world. Shivani, that'll stop you. Now, putting Muda up. One of his favorite moves, Ric Flair, is at Superplex. Oh. This could be it right here. Tony, I've been on the end of this a few times in my career, with Barry Windham on the other end of it. So I know exactly what Muda's thinking about right now, and I know what he's about to feel. That's exactly what Wyndham's going for. Middle turn, but look, Muda fighting back. Well, Muda did his homework. Headbutt. The big chop. Wyndham goes down. And all of a sudden, the tide of this match is shifting, Shivani. 
Muna springing off of the top turnbuckle of the big chop, and you're right, it has turned. The momentum is turning. Muna goes in. Handsome. The big hand springing. Nails him and goes over the top. Barry Windham pinned in the corner. Getting ready to go for his finishing move. Barry better start thinking now. It's the moonsault. He's got him in position. Here he goes. Put the move. Missed his head by inches. That's how close it was, Rick. You're exactly right. He went for it. He missed. I think personally, Muda went for it too quick. He should have softened him up more. Windham, a kick to the midsection. Now Hakeem trying the suplex. Muda slipped from behind, belly to back, and both men are down. Muda cannot make a cover right here. The lights are getting hotter. The match getting hotter. Now we find out who wants to be the NWA champion. Muda that time, just springing up like maybe a third win. He's going to go for the moonsault again here, Rick. One more time. The Muda moonsault. Barry got the knees up. You know, he got burned with it the first time. I don't understand why he'd do it again. Close line, Windup. Windup double up. There it is. Barry wins the world title. How fun was that to see, Arn? And well-deserved. Yeah. And a good match. You know, Muda, great performer as well. Good-looking babyface. All the things are fell into a line. Uh, what a teaser there on the end. Yes. And uh, we're going to talk about that, that. But this match goes 24 minutes. Very entertaining. If you haven't uh, you know, checked it out recently, go back and watch it. This was back and forth between these two. And uh, as we saw there, Muda misses the moonsault. Wyndham gets the knees up, clothesline into that jumping DDT, if you will. And he wins the title. Fans erupt here, Arn, when BW gets the three count. And, uh, man, we know Muda was always protective about the business and kept special for the American audience. What does it say about Barry Windham that Great Muda was willing to drop the title to him here on American soil and to do the honors for Barry? Well, 
universally, everybody in every corner of the world knew what a classic talent Barry Windham was. He was well-known everywhere. I would suggest no corner of the earth if there had a wrestling anything, show on the air, production, local territory, whatever it may be. They knew Barry Windham and what he brought to the table. Arn, uh, some people argue, I'm going to bring this up, including our research guy. That's right, Mr. Hershey Bar with Almonds. And uh, th they say that Barry should have won the belt in 87 instead of Ronnie Garvin. I mean, that would have been, would have been following Wyndham's 86 showing against Flair when he was the Florida heavyweight champion and Flair was the N NWA world champion. And on that night, Barry proved he could hang with Flair inside the ring, but the timing was never right for him to be the world champion otherwise. Do you think this run was too late for Barry, or does it matter at all in your opinion? Well, he could have certainly became world champion and during the Crockett era. There was room for that, for sure. I wouldn't say Ronnie Garvin was a bad move at all because the fact is Ronnie Garvin got red hot through his work. And he wasn't the biggest guy. He was on a crew full of big jacked-up guys and tremendous talents and tremendous workers and big personalities. And through all that, Ronnie, Ronnie Garvin started to shine because he would just beat the crap out of you. And it, that was what he hung his hat on. He was just his physical, if not the most physical guy on the crew to work with. And he got red hot. And if you would have ignored him at that time, that would have been a real injustice. Hey guys, Eric Bischoff here. And just want to call a quick timeout. I want to tell your listeners about what I've been telling everybody at over at 83 weeks, quite a while now, about all the cool things that are happening over at adfreeshows.com. On the debut episode of Making the Town, Blue Meanie takes us through the memorable matches and moments of the famed ECW arena, including one that was never seen. Something very special happened after the power went off. Uh, Paul Heyman went out into the ring and spoke to the crowd without a microphone. And the crowd just stayed quiet and listened. And he gave the most heartfelt thank you to that crowd that night. And uh, the biggest shame of it is there's no footage of it because the power went out. On an all-new Tuesday with the Taskmaster, Kevin Sullivan talks about what some of the greatest factions of all time have in common. Four horsemen, four guys, mm. when they're in the strongest. NWO, four guys when they're the strongest. And then Bloodline, four guys. But they also had a manager, each one of them. JJ, Eric, and Paul E. That's just a small taste of what we've got waiting for you. With four levels to choose from, see for yourself why ad-free shows is the best value in wrestling today. Sign up now at adfreeshows.com. Understood, but uh, as we saw there at the end of that clip, Arn, this match also serves up to set up the next series of creative. Flair walks in with the title for those that didn't see it or aren't watching on our YouTube channel to hand Barry the title. The referee takes it from Flair, starts to put it on Barry. Flair circles him and starts to strap it up. Barry realizes it's Flair and kind of pulls away, and those two stare each other down. Uh, but Flair right now isn't allowed to wrestle thanks to his non-compete clause. But he can appear on WCW TV and pay-per-view. He cuts that pre-match promo that we saw to open the clip to let everyone know his intentions of regaining the title that he never lost. 
but uh, Barry gets the victory. Flair again tries to put the title on. And uh, as we'll cover in the upcoming shows, Flair not being allowed to wrestle, wrestle ensured that you were uh, integral to the story here, Arn. Even challenging Barry for the world title at Slamboree, which we're going to dig into. But uh, our pal Nick Lenz wants to know, how you did you feel about Barry becoming the world champion during this time in WCW? And uh, additionally, he says, how happy were you that your friend BW had finally reached the mountaintop after the years, matches, miles, and the body of work uh, he had that very few others could match? Well, long overdue for Barry. Barry could have very easily been world champion for a period of time during the Crockett years. We know that. That was, you know, he was he was just that good. And uh, and I think the frustration he felt when he when he figured out that Flair was snapping him up, he was once again stealing part of his spotlight. And that was frustration that you saw on Barry's face, like, hey. This is my night. At least let me have my victory. Let me have my night becoming the champion. We don't need Rick in the shot at all. And I'm sure that was very, very real. So not only part of creative, but also some real real thoughts and feelings probably from Barry. 100%. The thing I couldn't figure out was backing up to Rick's entrance on his opening promo. Who were the, the two stooges on, that walked into the ring? Looked like they might have been uh, for walking the president down or something. The <laughs> chicks were way back in the tailpipe somewhere. Yeah, I, you know what? And I wasn't even paying attention to them. But I'll have to go back and see if I can identify who that was or if some listeners or fans of the show know who that is. Point it out. Let us know. I'd love to know. I mean, his deal was, was the chicks. He should have had a chick on either arm. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what the guys with the earplugs were doing. Like yeah, right. Se- I secret, did see the Secret one, Service. Yeah, the security guy behind him when yeah Shivani was interviewing him. I kind of I did wonder who that guy was. Now, now that you mention it, but uh, another question too from Nick is, uh, how's Barry doing health wise? I thought I saw him. Was he with you or around you at the uh, any of the shows you just did? He was the next table down. Okay, he's doing fine. Good. He actually stayed, you know, I want to say he signed for probably six hours, you know. And I talked to him for just a minute. I mean, we were really, really busy. That, I mean, they, our fans came out and supported us. It was incredible. I barely had time to take a, a bathroom break. But I looked down there. Barry had a, had a lot of people there glad to see him, and he was there for quite a while. Oh, that's good. Yeah, Brian so he's Fuller, doing better. He's doing I, I better, asked him, yeah. how you doing? He said, Better. Okay. Brian Fuller wants to know if Barry had a favorite drink at the bars after the shows. He was, I think he was like a, uh, I think I remember him being like a uh, liquor drinker, maybe, I don't know if he sipped on like a Jack Daniels, maybe straight up or something, maybe with a Cuba ice in or something, and he would just... He would sip on it, but he could drink. That son of a gun could drink all night long, and he never got. I never saw him out of the way. Okay. Sloppy, any of that stuff. I mean, never he could hammered. Just, yeah. He could drink for a long time. 
Well, he definitely had the he had the he had the tolerance built up. Apparently, uh, let's get into White Castle of Fear because last week we covered the silly White Castle of Fear mini movie, and both of us agreed that it was sea level wrestling crap. What uh, what is not wrestle crap, however, is the match that took place between Vader and Sting as the main event of the pay per view. Vader and Sting add another brilliant performance arm uh, to their storied rivalry, and we have the encounter in our second clip of the week. Uh, let's watch these two in the White Castle of Fear strap match. This is from Super Brawl 3. Here we go, our second clip of the week. Get out of the way, ref. A kick to the ribs. Sting is, Sting is bleeding in the forehead. The big Vader splash that time from a standing position. And Vader hits him with another one. Ah! Sting! He pulled Sting to him. Sting's foot hit Vader in the head. What a move by the Stinger. He almost backflipped and came over with a foot square in the face of Vader. But look at Vader. He's still the first one back to his feet. Time, waist lock over the top. Sting, DDT. But does he have enough to make it to all four corners? He might be able to pin him, but can he touch all four corners? Fight continues. Sting, bloody forehead and all, beating the world champion down again. And I believe he's knocked Vader out. Look at Sting. He snapped. He's like a wild man. Telling Vader, get up. And Sting, he's taking the that mask or that headset off. He's got Vader up. Vader's foot hit the referee. <laughs> Sting's touched one corner. He's touched one corner. He's, he's touched, touched two. Two. And Vader's bleeding profusely from the ear right now. to get to one more. One more and he's got it. No! He tripped over the referee. As you said, blood coming out of Vader's ear. He is a bloody mess. And Sting is down. Harley had a hand in there too to trip Sting and the Vader splats him. God, what a fight. Sting had him. He had him. 
He made it to within six inches of winning this thing. And look at now, Vader's tying his feet up with the strap. Talk about a physical altercation between those two guys. There's blood everywhere. How about Sting carrying him around on his back all the way around the ring like that? If I was sitting in that audience, that is something that I would have never forgotten. Oh, my goodness. You're talking about a show of strength, and he was walking backwards. Think about that now. 400 pounds, and he, he wasn't even perfectly sitting on his shoulders he was hanging a little bit down his back which yeah. is just that's just a muscle job that's pure leg strength that's a guy that has i mean i don't know what sting i mean you look at his body obviously he was in perfect condition at that time but his leg strength to be able to pull that off is just unheard of that was that was one of the most impressive feats of strength that i can remember seeing in a long time and listen they beat the brakes off of each other we only saw a few minutes of that match this match is 20 minutes and you want to talk about amazing storytelling they're both bloody uh vader's athleticism and physicality on display here sting refused to quit he, there's suplex he suplexes vader all over the ring Go back and watch this match, guys. It's a classic. It's it's unbelievable. Um, man, uh, just, I mean, like I said, we only watched a few minutes of it, and it was impressive. Well, the dividend was that you had that funky lead-in with it being in the cave yes. and all that. Now you get to the arena, and it's really just a normal strap match you know i don't know what you could have done to recapture and put a, you know put some ambiance from what you saw on the the mini movie yeah yeah you know set up other i don't know what you would have done to, to follow that maybe that was just unnecessary who, who knows you know we're all brilliant he's sitting here years later but sure. uh uh, I know this, the match paid off. I mean, and Leon, with his ear, you looked at the shot of his ear, it was pouring blood. If you've ever had a cauliflower ear, buddy, it's sore as shit. I can only imagine how much that hurt. He well, must have now, sp split his ear. Not only that, too, you're also adding to the layers of Sting, right, the performer. He, He's becoming just... 
a superstar. I mean, not only has he is what he's doing with Vader now, continuing to add to his legacy or his character as a per, top performer in the business, but he's worked with Flair. He's worked with Rude. Now Vader. Uh, how good is he becoming in, as this main event star that he is? When you break it down, uh, if you're going to be a top babyface in this industry, two things. One thing, the audience has to believe that no matter how much trouble you're in and how much you're hurt, you're still in the fight and you will not quit. That's what top baby faces do. You may kill them. You may knock them unconscious. They will not quit, number one. Number two, they got to be able to use these inconvincingly. Forget the big power moves and the... The finesse moves in the high wire act when it really comes down to nut cutting time. Babyface got to be able to knock your teeth out. And that's two things that we saw in that match. Sting is starting to, he is getting where the fans both totally believe in him. For those that are listening only, Orange showed his two fists. And, uh, and that's what he's talking able, about. Yeah, yeah. you got to be able to use your dukes. Yep, yep. And uh, before we get out of here, though, Orrin, this is a big month because we have one final piece of business. For all your fans following months off television, you return to cut a promo with none other than Noah Anthony Shivani holding the mic just the way God intended it to be. Uh, and we have the final clip. So we're going to sit under the learning tree of the Enforcer and watch a master class in delivering a wrestling promo. Here we go. Arn, a lot of questions certainly about you, the leg, and your career. I know we saw Eric watch just a few moments ago. I know there's a lot going through your mind on this one. is a big night here on TBS. Tony Giovanni, there was a lot of people that were out there speculating that Arn Anderson was just going to fade to black, go away, his career was over. Well, Eric Watts, when I laid on that concrete in my hometown of Charlotte, North Carolina, a little part of me did die that day. The apathetic part of me died. You see, you can get so good at something that you can go out and do it better than everybody else and you don't even have to put your heart into it. I was at that stage and I made a mistake. So the part of me that died that day, Eric Watts, was the apathy. That's gone forever. You'll never see the same Arn Anderson you saw four months ago. Because when I look in this dressing room back here and I see the energy that Ric Flair generates just walking by, it makes me feel good. When I see Barry Windham sitting in the corner holding that belt, that NWA title, with all that pride gushing out of him, it makes me feel good. When I see Pillman, and his partner, Steve Austin, generating teamwork like they never had before, it makes me feel good. So understand one thing, Eric Watts. It seems to me the big, powerful eagle has flown the coop and left the little duckling to fend for himself. So now it's just me and you, the rookie wrestler, ex-football player, and Aaron Anderson, the devout wrestling professional. So understand one thing, Eric, when you look in these eyes, burn them into your memory. This thing's not over, it's just begun. And I've had this strange cramping, Tony. Maybe it doesn't mean anything all day long. It's been cramping in my hand 
Maybe it doesn't mean anything. I don't know. You tell me. Wow. Arn is back, buddy. With the intensity and the crowds losing their mind. What a promo, my friend. Nice shirt, too, right? Oh, I mean, and when the glasses come off, that's when you know it's going one more level. Well, thank you. You know, if I will be remembered for anything, it's being able to communicate and connect with the audience. And this, believe it or not, was still a big deal. Man, listen, that subtle tease, thanks to that hand cramp. Uh, bravo, sir. Loved it. Uh, what, what do you think about that, watching it back after all these years? Well, I enjoyed having enough time to put the other, you know, that's this is another lost start. Putting the other guys over. The other occurrence. The other occurrences that are happening within the company that are huge that can affect you going forward, mention them, you know. Just just mention it. In the old days, you know, before we would go out, you know, and uh, and and just take two guys that were there and just beat them half to death and then go right to the, uh, you know, the interview podium and mention what we just did, pat ourselves on the back, and then mention Dusty Rhodes and the Rock and Roll Express and Magnum and all those guys and let them know they're on the radar. It just makes everybody more important. Dude, you hit every single note. You put Flair over, Wyndham, Austin, and Pillman. You smack Bill Watts in the mouth and make it very clear to Eric Watts what would happen if he ran into you next time. It, it, was, it, was, it was perfect. It was the master class. And uh, so good. It's part of just what puts a big smile on my face as we uh, watch these together and, and, and I get to kind of do this with you. But uh, before we close the show down, we have a few more questions from our fans, our audience, and then we'll close it down. Brian Haremza, he says, a show was stopped in Gainesville, Georgia. Now, Brian sent me the article. He has the history of the WCW. And uh, apparently there was a show, Arn, that was stopped in Gainesville, Georgia, due to a pipe bursting and flooding the backstage area. The show had to be postponed to a later date. Have there been any instances in Arn's career where the entire show had to be postponed due to something like that happening in arena? No. And apparently I wasn't there. I would have remembered that. Yeah. yeah I we never had anything like that happen. No. Yeah. I don't know if... if, if Someone, if Vader would, you know, maybe just dropped something too large in the commode. Who knows what happened? Oh, but yeah, a pipe no. burst. <laughs> so totally shut down the whole the whole show. Sam Lawson wrote the following. Arn, at this point in your career, you've long been an established star. You've been firing on all cylinders on the mic and in the ring for years. Do you recall any of the younger wrestlers that became household names asking you for specific advice, whether it was about promo delivery, work rate, or even how to get through the travel schedule? I love the podcast. You're the reason I subscribe, and I hope to one day meet you, shake your hand, and thank you for a lifetime of great memories. Wow, that's awesome, Sam Lawson. So uh, what about Sam? I look forward to that too, yeah. Yeah, what about those young wrestlers? Do you remember anybody talking with you um, back then? You know, it's uh, there have been guys that have spoke up over the years, you know, that have brought up instances that I helped them. Uh, I don't remember any distinct conversation, you know, but when guys come up to me and they say, hey, you know, I was – I was Atlanta TV, say, or I was at Crockett TV or WWF TV, and, 
you know, you, you took the time to come over and explain some things to me and tell me what you wanted, make make my job easy and all that stuff. Just just complimentary from a guiding them, uh, you know, perspective. And, you know, I always tried to treat, you know, young and upcoming talent the way some of the guys like Ted DiBiase treated me coming up, taking the time to watch my match and tell me what was wrong and, you know, what was right and all those things. So I'm sure that I helped some guys over the years. Um, I hope I did because the only way to get the information on how to keep this business alive and flourishing is you got to get it from the generation ahead of you because they're the ones that have kept the flame burning all this time. There's one guy that I know had a lot of respect for you, and, uh, you know, on the air, you were his coach for a while. He's gone on to do some big things, not only in AEW, but in the WWE, and that's Cody Rhodes, by the way, who just had a brand-new documentary come out on Peacock, and uh, I watched it, Arn, and it was it was something special. Uh, but, you know, you... you I watched a, it, too. I watched it, too. I was going to ask you if you got to check it out. Really well done, and we're all happy, you know. I think right up to Tony Khan is is happy for uh, Cody's success, and uh, he had some very very kind words, and uh, we're still friends today. Obviously, much respect for him, and uh, yeah, his that's cool. you know it's uh. And I'm sure he's I'm sure he's uh, had a lot of questions and talked to you and you you two have had a lot of great conversations. Speaking of folks that are the younger wrestlers coming to you for advice. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you know if, if guys, anybody that wants help in an unofficial capacity, I'll help them. Let me just put it to you that way. There I'm, you go. I'm available to anybody that would like to sit down, you know, and. Will Hobbs, you know, and I know I mentioned him quite a bit. He's one guy that has pulled me aside. And, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? And, uh, you know, I give him my honest opinion. I'm a big fan of his. He's going to be a big star. Uh, he's one of the guys that, that asks for help, for there sure. There you go. All right. Carl Hayes with the obligatory food question. Speaking of White Castle, do you ever smoke brisket? And if so, what's the keys to a moist brisket? Um, I think the everybody likes the tips. Is that what it's called? Yeah, the crunchy part. You know, uh, I'm more of a sliced pork guy. Okay. Um, uh, like barbecue occasionally. Um, in as much as that, I tell you what I really like is that uh, that corn that they cook on the grill you know what i'm talking about yeah like the sweet corn the what uh, is it what is that called the um it's like the mexican, mexican yeah mexican street corn street corn man I, there's a place down the street barbecue place from us right down the road that has that it's phenomenal mm. uh, and I, I like that as much as i do the the barbecue there you go well, he said, love getting my smoker going and sitting on the deck listening to you and Pauly with, to quote the great Luke Combs, a long night ice-cold Miller beer in hand. <laughs> He's he put Miller in, uh, in Princey's. Thanks, guys. Carl, thank you so much for supporting the show and uh, always asking great questions, man. Yep. Well, listen, Arn, that's going to wrap us up for this week's episode. Consequential is how we can describe February 1993. Cowboy is out. Eric is in. Oli's the booker. Barry's the champ. 
Nate wants the title, and the founder of the Four Horsemen, Arn Anderson, is back where he belongs. Next week, we look at March 1993. Arn and Flair reunite. You work in Smoky Mountain, Arn, for James E. Cornette. You're uh, you're a babyface, no shit, you are. And the Hollywood Blondes win the tag team titles. That and so much more. So we got a busy uh, March 1993 next week. Times are changing. This should be good. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Guys, listen, if your uh, business targets 25 to 54-year-old men, there's no better place than advertising right here with The Arn Show. You can go to advertisewithorn.com right now. Find out more about advertising with us. We'd love to be able to talk about your product or service right here on The Arn Show. And uh, listen, we have a broad audience, a big-time demographic, and it works. We have a, a great audience with little waste. So check it out, Advertise with arn.com right now and you can find out more how you can advertise right here with us here on the arn show i uh, also want to talk about ad free shows uh, you can get a free trial right now if you just go head on over adfreeshows.com you get early ad free access to more than a dozen of your favorite wrestling podcasts including the arn show starting at just nine dollars a month and you can enjoy the first week with us completely free there's so much good content on over there. You got the Monday Mailbag with Kyoto. You got uh, all the other types of bonus content <coughs> over there. Rebels Happy Hour. Uh, you got Ask Conrad, all that good stuff, plus the stuff he's doing with David Crockett and uh, lots of great uh, things over there at Free Shows. So check it out at freeshows.com. Arn, thank you so much for doing the show again with me this week. Always a pleasure, my friend. Doing a hell of a job. Appreciate you doing all the research, you guys that are out there doing some of the legwork for us. Marcus, Dom, all you guys, we appreciate you very much. There you go, Andrew. And uh, hey, listen, on behalf of the Hall of Famer, the founder of the Four Horsemen, and the creator of the Spinebuster, Arn Anderson, this is Paul Bromwell, and we'll see you right back here next week on Arn. Hey, I'm Double J, Jeff Jarrett, and I know a thing or two about walking out on a bad deal, like paying someone else's mortgage. Don't let your landlord get over on you. Walk out on that bad deal and stop throwing your money away on rent today with SaveWithConrad.com. You don't need perfect credit. You may not even need a down payment. Your new house payment could be less than what you're paying now. So if you're still renting, what are you doing? Conrad and his team can help you reverse your landlord's figure four leg lock and you can move up the card to home ownership. Visit SaveWithConrad.com today. That's right, SaveWithConrad.com today. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lenders. Woo! John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on, right? Yeah, how many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.